coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios. This is Old School. Brought to you by Sand Hills Global. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Old School Hour 2 on this dreary Monday. A Monday full of rain and so clouds gray. and so gray. lack of sun. So gray. But we're happy in here, kind of. I don't know anymore. We are. We're in a good mood. I don't know anymore. We're in a good mood. Jay Foreman doesn't want to dance. It's just sad. It just makes me just not a I'm just gonna do it Monday. I'm just going to ask him to walk down the, the, the Soul Train line. Like, don't just he can fr- he can even frown when he does it. <laughs> Honestly, it'd be funnier, It'd be funnier if he if the camera like got to him and he looked down the line and then he just walked away. Yeah, like he didn't walk down the line. Like he was oh, like, that'd be all natural. <laughs> once I see you, <laughs> he's like, no. once I see Rico, <laughs> I'm gonna get right, I'm gonna yeah. get the whole outfit. I don't know how far away this is. I grow the hair out. Oh, you know, you know who which which outfit I want to do? Jeffrey from Fresh Prince. <laughs> When he got on Soul Train, with, oh. Will, <laughs> with, with the black and gold, and he got the he got the he got the wig and the glasses. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I'm gonna come to Adelaide. That's how we'll come to. Yeah, I can see you guys doing that. Yeah, you said you guys. <laughs> I can see you doing that. I'm gonna dress like I'm gonna dress like Scooby Doo from a uh, Scooby Doo. What is when he had the big wig and that and the like platform shoes? He's oh, trying to. You could do that. Yeah. Or you could do like Kramer, <laughs> Kramer walking down the street, <laughs> Seinfeld. Goodness gracious! Would Simple see? Th- but here's the question: I think Simple would actually dance. Oh, Simple would. Yeah, he would protest it, for a while, well, but I would, think he would. He would. Pro- no, he would like he'll shadow box all the way down to Salt Trail. It'd be great. It'd yeah. Be really good. Yeah, so they they were having a good time with it. So yeah, welcome uh, into old school. Honda Lincoln Hotline starting here. Text line four zero two four six four five six eight five. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Starter Heyman Jewelers live video stream. Hit us up. Hit us with a what's up DP. What's up Jay? What's up Rico? Uh, we might answer a question or two. I don't know. Depends uh, on how. Depends on what you ask. How you ask it. Yeah. Scott says this. I listened to one YouTube show from some Texas guys, and they were pretty good. Obviously concerned with the outcome, but not just blindly blaming. Name, image, and likeness, like lots of folks. Uh, talked about how the scheme fit was more of what uh, Mathis was looking for. So, and Crowley well, says boring. he's going to say, well, well, I mean, you know, at some point, a lot of the conversation gets on the lowest common denominator, which is to blame it on, blame it on NIL or give credit to NIL. Yeah. Yeah. And the I rea- mean, that's the easy, yeah. easy excuse, but yeah, the scheme, scheme is matters. a big deal. And, um, even though his coach was there, Gary Patterson, but Gary Patterson's defense, if it was something that he didn't feel that was showing his you know best ability, then why would he go down to Texas and think it'd be any different? So <clears throat> obviously Nebraska, you know, there was games that where they rushed the passer pretty well, and so um, you know schematics wise, I think 
Shenander's experience and Dawson's experience, two coaches obviously that he's going to be working closely with, um, of coaching in the NFL and improving the defense every year, um, is probably it was obviously very appealing to him and should be to other kids as well. Well, I think a lot of what happened this weekend was for folks who wanted something positive to latch onto to get through the next couple of months. This is you got it. Yeah, I mean it's you got it. You got you got Cam. You got Cam Jurgens, you know, second round. You got Cam Taylor Britton, second round. Uh, you could claim Wandell. <laughs> that would be desperation. Well, look, all of it's desperation. I always find it interesting when people claim the victory on on draft day. For it's not your win. Yeah, it's not your it's win. Not your, it's not. Your, no, you can be happy yeah. for it, but that's not. Your it's win. not your win. Yeah. Right? I, well, that was well. Nebraska, Nebraska fan base hung on the UCF for like two years. Yeah. After that, McKenzie, like, oh, whatever, McKenzie Melton as well. Yeah, when he became, when he went into transfer portal. Oh, oh my God, it's happening! No, it's bring not, him home. It's not. This happening. was never home. It's right. not happening. So yeah, so I think it's yeah. You got to be happy for Wandell. He again, he bet on himself, went back home, had a phenomenal year, ended up being a second round pick. And um, question, Jay Foreman. So, would Wandell have had that happen had he stayed? Why are you still going uh, fire? Well, no, because it, look for. You're trying to think the, how this. The, the, I, think, well, I don't know if he. I could, I could change the question. I know. I know he would have been productive. I don't. Do you know think if he, he would have had 98 catches and what? Well, he could have because you had a tight end that had 60 and Tory had 40. Right. The, so the question so is, we would don't he understand have, why he did what he did. Would he have been a wide receiver still, or would they have lined yeah. him up in the backfield again? I think if Wandell stayed, I don't know if Tory comes. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's. All shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, he would have been. He would have had a productive year. I don't really think ninety-eight catches is why he went in the second round. I think his playmaking ability. So he could have had fifty, sixty catch, catches and made as many plays, mm-hmm. and then still went whatever. So he had a productive, super productive year. Kentucky played well. Mm-hmm. Okay, people, people just seem to forget that Kentucky played well. His profile and his draft stack status went up with that. Then he had, then he ran well, um, and so and plus again I said it before Moore came out the year before, and he's down in Arizona. So when NFL likes comparables, and it's a copycat league. He had a good year with uh, Arizona. Here comes the next and coming. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. So um, or not the same thing, or more open to doing the same thing when you have recent success. So mm-hmm. um, how do you think he gets used in in, in the league? Kind of like what he be like a. I mean, he's obviously a purely a slot receiver. Um, he's going to be good in the return game, both punt and um, kickoff return. Um, which they said actually he didn't really field punts this well this year, which is odd to me, considering that would be just a factor that would separate him from a lot of a lot of people. So I think special teams and and being a guy that's going to be a matchup problem, because you know even though he's only five nine one eighty, he's tough and he's built stout. He's strong, he's quick, short area quickness, and he's explosive out of his breaks, and he has home run speed. So he's going to be a matchup problem for any slot, and especially if he gets matched up on like a linebacker like me or you know, somebody even bigger than me, he's going to get definitely give people problems. Um, from the tech side, why claim a, a, a kid who constantly took a jab, took jab after jab after Nebraska? Did he? 
Not that uh, I know of. A little bit. There was a little, little bit of a little right, bit, when, right when he transferred. Right, right when he transferred, that. and then it was a little bit after, I think after his bowl game thing or something, he said something, or kind of like when he did one of those deals, but nothing too over the line. I didn't, I'm sure I there's didn't some inner workings that he, you know, he didn't necessarily think was right or vice versa. I don't think it's any, I don't think there's any bad blood, but I think look, he's from Kentucky, man, and he went back there. You got to be happy for him. Yeah. You know, yes, I would rather him to be here. Um, but sometimes no matter what you say to him, you maybe in plus with the COVID year and all the other stuff, things kind of like worked in the favor for him to go back there. So, and Kentucky needed him and they showed him. It's no different than O'Shawn Mathis coming here. The, the way that we reacted to O'Shawn Mathis Whenever he committed is the same way they reacted to him going back to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So ideally, we can get the same production. Everybody be happy. Best thing you can do is just be happy for Wandell. He's worked for it. He never was a bad teammate. Never was a bad kid. Um, and he just chose to do different. I don't think it's you know it's kind of like when Phil Darius said he didn't have any ill will. Hopefully, it's not vice versa. We can see opportunity for him here. Sometimes they just want to go play football back home. Yeah. That's the way it is. You know, they got everybody's got that one free transfer. Um, and so guys are using it, whether it's early or late. So it's just one of those things. Like yeah. I've said before, the players don't hold any ill will towards some of these people that transfer. You, you could tell because as soon as Wandell got drafted, there was a bunch of Husker players or, you know, former Husker players who played with Wandell that were sending out tweets congratulating him for getting drafted. Yeah, like, I, don't think, no- I don't think the players – ever have well I want to say ever but majority of the time don't have ill will because they're in it together and they can kind of understand and maybe they know the thought process more than people on the outside yeah well so Sunday morning pancakes so Wandale was was Banks's roommate and he talks about he says no I love that guy like everything about him and I think public per- perception of of relationships within the program versus actually having people in the room go no we love that dude now uh one texter said that he said yesterday that he wouldn't have been taken in second round had he stayed in nebraska and i i most likely not i mean uh, if 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 he wasn't wrong if kentucky had the same record in the same year and nebraska had the same year most likely not yeah i mean that's that's not taking a jab that's if that's i'm not taking a jab i was asking a question the same yeah, way, I, I didn't even it, know yeah. that he had done the interview. So, well, the thing is, if you line, look, if you line Wandale up in the backfield and you know does whatever, is he a second round running back? No, he's a second round receiver. And the way that Nebraska was using him, he wasn't being used very much at receiver. They're using yeah. him at running back, and he's not, he's not a second round running back. So, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the statement was somewhat factual, but you know, you can you can always take everything personally. Or personally choose not to take everything personally. Right. Do, do, do who gets? There were some people who tried to give credit for draft status this weekend to various people on the coaching staff for Wandell. No, for oh. Cam, for both Cams. Okay. They said that you know people needed to take a chance. They moved it tight end to center. They held on to it. They did this thing, and I'm of the club that says I'm going to give credit. To to the players for the work that was done. Well, I think it's both. I think it's you got to give uh, Scott Frost and Greg Austin credit for having the vision for Cam, and then you got to give Cam credit for being open to it and willing to put in the amount of work to build his body up to be able to compete at that position, and then 
I mean, going or, through all of that all criticism that, the first two go through, years. Yeah, and uh, and they keep, you know, keep at it and fighting it and obviously playing well. So I think it's both. I mean, in order for it to be successful, you got to have a vision. You got to be able to see. You got to be able to sell it to them that where you it's, it's advantageous for you. Advent, ideally advantageous for the advantageous for the team. You got to have something comparable. Um, and then he's got to be willing to put in the work. And then you got to make sure that you're constantly, you know, keeping in contact with him and then, you know, lock and step with him as he's going through the process. Because I think Cam might have been like 235, 240 coming out of high school. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't remember. He's tight end, so he couldn't yeah. be that much bigger. So just to get to 280 and be willing to put in the work for that is astronomical. That that falls, you know, 100% on Cam, you know, Dave Ellis, Zach Duvall, the weight coach. You know, it's a whole collaborative effort. You get what I'm saying? It's the the coaches, the players, the support staff, the nutrition staff. It's the, uh, you know, the trainers with Mark Meyer and all them. They got to make sure that his, you know, they're doing everything to make sure that as his body's starting to grow or he's adding weight, that his, you know, flexibility isn't lost. He's not losing athletic ability. So, you know, the payoff is there. And um, you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, And so, look – Regardless of how or why Cam ended up leaving early, you know, that's water underneath the bridge. It worked out for Cam. It worked out for Nebraska. Um, he'll represent Nebraska well. Um, and as people get older, everything will be fine. That's the way it is. Did you did you pay much attention to the DBs and, and, and their place in the draft? The fact that, I mean, we're, we're, we're good that uh, Deontay's going to get an opportunity. But – what did you think? Did you think that they had earned kind of a, a, a better place than? Yeah, the- I thought Deontay would have got drafted. You know, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um, Do you think the age held him back? Maybe, probably. Well, but I mean, it's the same thing they said about JoJo. I right? think a little bit, but I think it's mm-hmm. again, it's supply and demand. There's a lot of those guys out there, and so if you're not, <clears throat> well, here's what to, here's just from my experience working down in Houston is that and talking to other people in other organizations that sometimes scouts and scouting departments, they like the easy way, right? So if you're one team and we pass some notes, okay, well, instead of doing, let, let me fact check this. You get what I'm saying? So, if, so essentially your Rico's opinion is based off of what we're saying, mm-hmm. maybe not fully, but it's definitely influencing. Right. So, you know, when you're, you know, and then teams are going to do more due diligence on winning teams and winning players, small school kids that they aren't able to see all the time, and they sometimes leapfrog guys that, oh, he's an older safety. He's just a guy. But if you watch Deontay's tape and you watch him senior up until you hurt his knee in Minnesota, you're like, oh, homeboy can play. Mm-hmm. And he's willing, and he's effective on special teams. Um, he keeps his body in phenomenal shape. He's a good kid. Uh, he's got leadership skills. So he's a guy that when he gets into camp, he's, he's tailor-made for Seattle. He's going to come down. He's a thumper. can make plays. He's fast. He's quick. As long as he stays healthy, he'll be fine. Do Do we know if he's healthy? Yeah, he's healthy because he ran 4-4 uh, four, four something at the pro day. So, I mean, if that ain't healthy, then I wish I was that. <laughs> I um, wish I wasn't healthy and could run 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> yeah, I think he's healthy and, and uh, everything checked out. But, I mean, look, when you get a little bit later in the draft, you just never know. You just never know. I was fortunate enough and blessed to get drafted that's huge you know it's something that there's only few people walking on earth can say um and then but i know there's a lot of guys that should have been drafted and i played with a lot of guys that shouldn't have been drafted 
it sucks because the only person that's really happy after the draft is the dude that went number one. Was that the quietest number one in history? Can you? Yeah, because it's, Jack, it's Jacksonville. Right, right. Like, it's can Jacksonville. You, like, can you imagine? It kind of worked out perfectly though, because Aiden Hutchinson got to stay in Michigan yeah. and play for Detroit. But it was a quiet. Like this was. Well, it was. It, it's up, hard to sell a guy that goes number one over Aiden Hutchinson and Thibodeau when he only had six sacks and wasn't even all conference. Yeah. It just seemed like So what could you say? Hey, we got a guy that's honorable mention all all SEC. I think they said that's the first time that a guy that wasn't all conference went number one overall. Like it was just it seemed to be like it was the most downplayed number one that it I was could weird. ever that I can recall. It was weird because well, there's no Hutchinson. quarterbacks. Like, no quarterbacks yeah. went so late. So there wasn't well, there wasn't one a, quarterback went until the third round, so So it was it wasn't Which exciting. They were wrong again. Like just They 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 had Willis at some at one point in time. Going number two to Detroit, or going Detroit trading up and getting another pick, they were going to get a defensive end and then him. Somebody and there was goes a point to where the third round. Supposed to go twentieth overall, right. to Pittsburgh, I think. Somebody yeah, because after they, him was, and Mike Tomlin ate yeah. chicken, chicken he, wings. He dropped because he he lifts his right foot off the ground after he throws. And I said, they said his base isn't good. And I and I said, uh, then you have very few quarterbacks in the NFL because they yeah. said his base is crooked. And his his feet aren't aren't pointed the right way, and that's and he's not very accurate. All that fun stuff. Oh. It's a great thing about scouting. They they look at your tape and see you making all these plays, and then they write paragraph upon paragraphs and books upon books about the t- little things you can't do, and don't think about the twenty things you can do. And they thought of I mean, this is the Bryce Harper Bryce Harper swing when he first got to the league, and somebody says, well, yeah, but he he heel kicks at the end of uh, inside fastballs. And I just went, you have looked too much. Like, put it down. That's what happens when you're when you're supremely talented is the only thing that people can look at is what you do wrong. Yeah. And uh, try to find something, some way that they, can, that they can justify not wanting to take you before somebody else. Just crazy. Yeah, it's, 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 look, it's man, crazy. it's perception and reality. Some of these young men are facing that they should have maybe listened to other people when they made those, yeah. those decisions. You look at Sam Howell, right? I think he had eligibility left. If he would have came out in 2020, probably a top 15, 20 pick. 21, he loses two running backs and his two starting receivers and his tight end gets hurt. Okay, but then, you know, somebody, some agent sat in his living room with his family and was like, you can still slide in that first round, man. I can get you the first round if you just have a good workout. You go to the first round, you know. Wonderlick. Wonderlick, so you know, we'll have you ready to go. Wonderlick, so and now you know, you know, now he's like, oh man, you know that uh, a scholarship check and hundred, two hundred thousand dollars nil deal, and working on my craft to become a better draft pick, you know, option for teams isn't so bad. And now you're Where's he at? Washington. <laughs> How'd you feel about the? You know what? Well, in in, actu- in what? actuality, that that's actually a great spot for him. Jay think Jay says because he's Carson going to start a job. By the end of the season, he'll be starting. Carson Wentz, like I said, he's a rusty old can. <laughs> I love that. And, oil, oil. Well, then, and Sam Howell or, or Tyler Heineke. Uh, is it Tyler Heineke? Taylor. Taylor Heineke, whatever. He, whatever he, his he, name whatever is. Whatever his name is. <laughs> he's going to be in there. That's so funny. This is just let's let's find out how how everybody how everybody drafted coming up next on the well no we got John Squire oh yeah we got John Squire we got John Squire then we'll close out with okay we'll do that yeah.
You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.